Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, So there's so much that's in my heart for this season. And I wrote a message and I'm incredibly excited about it. I think I may preach it now on January 1st in our How to Change series. We will see. Uh, But I woke up this morning and I could not get something else out of my heart. Uh, So I went to our Slack channel, and typically what I'll do, uh, Slack is like um, an app that has all inner office communications in it. It's kind of like email, but only comes to each other. Anyway, uh, so, so in Slack, I had Slacked over my notes where they could make screens for it, and I went in to just do a devotional Um, with those notes for myself to to feed myself this message before I gave it to you. And I saw something in the channel from a previous message, and like my heart just could not run away from that. And I I genuinely felt like uh, that the Lord was showing me I moved too quickly uh, away from that in your life, and I needed to circle back to that. And to make sure that we are our doers of the word and not just hearers of it only. How many of you know, uh, the hearers of the word, it's good, but it's not all that you need. Uh, you can hear the word all the time and see no change. Uh, because it's not the hearers of the word that are blessed, it's the doers of the word who are blessed. And one of the things that scripture tells us to do is to go back to the things that spoke to us. And to look at them like a mirror, uh, and some of you, uh, I think all of us, uh, but maybe some, looked in a mirror today, and you kind of looked to see if things were out of place before you you came to church or before we got to see your wonderful faces this morning. Uh, So you would look in the mirror long enough to see if something needed to be adjusted. And periodically, there are going to be things that speak to our hearts. And when they speak to our hearts, one of the enemy's tricks is to get us to move on uh, too quickly, um, to, to go too fast and to move on to the next thing that we're really not sealing um, and, and just making sure that that thing that spoke to us is something that is being done in our hearts. And so that's today's goal is to just circle back to that. I told the 830 service over at Highland Colony, I have no idea how long this message is because it's not written. Uh, It's genuinely something that just came up in my heart today. And that's one of the fun things of coming to Word of Life is you never know. You never know what you may get. But here's here's what I saw that just struck a note in my, my, my spirit, just on the inside. Everything you need for your public place is found in your secret place. Everything you need for your public place is found in your secret place. Now, what do I mean by public place? So I'll use my life for an example uh, because I know my life better than I know any of yours. It's mine. And in my life, in its public setting, um, there's much I want to be good at and see progress in. My wife is here at our Lakeland campus. 
I want to be a good husband to her. I want to win publicly. And, and honestly, like I would love for you to be able to examine my marriage and truly examine it um, and have it be an example to you. I, I, I want to win there. I want to be a good husband. I want to walk with her with grace and wisdom and kindness. I, I want to walk with her with patience and love and understanding. With my kids, I've got three kids in my public place. I, I want to win there. Like uh, a wise son, the Bible says, is a crown to his father. Like I, I want my kids to be successful. I want them to walk with the Lord Jesus. And I want people to see that, not in a prideful way, but for them to be an example as well. I want deep and intimate connection with them. Like I genuinely want to win with my children. In fact, honestly, for me, it's like if I could win at everything else but fell there, what would be the point? Like, I, I, I genuinely want a strong connection and to win in my public space with my children. Uh, I want to prosper and be in health according to Scripture. Um, scripture tells us, and this is a beautiful passage in, in the book of John, that, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Uh, that's not a dollar amount. That's just advancement. And I, I do. I want our church to advance. I, I believe we have something to offer our city. I believe we have something to offer the world. Um, I believe that God has anointed us to just break down religious barriers, racial barriers, age barriers, and to, to be a church that really does look like heaven, that crosses all lines that any man would draw and just has the Spirit of God invade those spaces. And I desire to see it expand. I desire to see it grow. I desire more campuses. Like, I, I desire to see the campuses that we have expand and grow. I, I desire to see that publicly. Um, in, in all of our lives, there are things that are in our public spaces that we want to see get better, that we want to see progress. And, and maybe it's on the job. It's like, I, I just want to see more fruit there, Pastor Joel. Like, I've been in the same job on and on, and I feel like I'm like the, the children of Israel, where it's like, how long will we circle around this same mountain? Like, it's just the scenery's not changing. I'm not seeing advancement. Or maybe it feels that way in marriage or in family. It's like, it's not getting better, Pastor. It's, it's not getting better. We're not seeing what we should be seeing. Or maybe there's just something going on with the child, and it's like, Pastor Joel, it's, it's getting worse. There's not that connection that I, I know I should have. Or maybe it's just with yourself. Like with yourself, there's this growing dissatisfaction with who you're becoming, and, and in the natural, it's like you're trying everything to kind of find that feeling of a win and acceptance and improvement, but it's not getting better. It's like the woman with issue of blood. You're spending a lot of money and doing a lot of things in the flesh, but it's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. Because our natural tendency, whether you're a pastor, a business person, a mom, or whatever it is, is that when we want to see our public space get better, our public lives see advancement, is that we will work harder in the flesh. Uh, so, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll spend more time doing this, and I'll, I'll focus more on this, and, like, I'll, I'll make it better. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll work harder and get going faster, and then we get worn out because we're, we're doing more, but we're seeing less. 
And then we, we find these moments of malaise where it's, it's kind of stuck in molasses where, you know, like if you had tar or something on you and like you're moving and you're exerting a lot of strength, but you're not making much advancement because it feels like there's something holding you. It, it feels like there's just something holding the, the family back, holding the career back. And it's like something is just pulling you, slowing your progress. Everything that I need to win in my public life is found in my secret one. And if you can get your secret life right, it is only a matter of time before your public life changes. Um, In the book of Genesis, we can go over there and look at it. If you have no idea where Genesis is, welcome to Christianity. We're glad to have you here with us. Uh, It's the first book of the Bible, so it's an easy find. Uh, You won't have to go to the tabs for that one. Um, Genesis, and let's look here in chapter 13. Uh, There are people in Scripture who just impress me. As a lover of the word of God, um, you see lives that just overcome adversity and sin and failure. And it's, it's beautiful and it, it gives us all a lot of hope because we see people like ourselves. And we see that in spite of their humanity, God is able to work with them. And one of the, the people that has always impressed me has been Abraham. Abraham was a breaker. And here's what I mean by breaker. Uh, Think of Roger Bannister with the four-minute mile. Uh, For a long time, people said, this is impossible. No one will ever run a four-minute mile. And Roger Bannister comes and has that spirit of a breaker. And he breaks that barrier and runs it under four minutes. And you, you study history, and as soon as he broke that barrier, other people saw what was possible. And so they said, if he was able to do it, now we'll be able to do it. And Abraham was a breaker. He had never seen anyone walk with God. In fact, Scripture doesn't tell us specifics, uh, but it does tell us this, that God specifically told Abraham, you can't be around your family anymore. Because everything about it was literally going in another direction. And so Abraham is being called out by God, but he doesn't know the way. Like there is nobody before him saying, well, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Like here's the way you handle money. Here's the way you honor a wife. Here's the way you put God first. He had never seen anybody do it. And any time you've never seen anybody do it, it's going to be harder for you. Uh, But you can get that spirit of a breaker, and I'm telling you, some of you, this is what your family needs, is they need a spirit of a breaker that comes and says, you know what, I know there may be before us a lot of dysfunction, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and I'll show you how this thing can be done. Like, I'll show you this doesn't have to control you. I'll show you you can come out of this. And so Abraham begins to walk with the Lord and begins to change his legacy and change his family's legacy. And it's so impressive because he had never seen anybody do it, but he begins to walk with the Lord and the Lord tells him what to do. And he begins to show people what is possible in Jesus. And I'm telling you, we need a fresh batch of people to show the world what is possible in him. 
uh, to show the world um, a life that is lived so counterculture to what they are producing that is wearing everybody out who tries to live that way, uh, that there is a way to walk with the Lord where his blessing is on you, that everything that they would seek for, he is adding it to you, and there is no sorrow to it. And Abraham begins to do this, and out of it, his life is blessed. And a life that is blessed by God is a life that God is moving on. And I think this is at our our core what we want. Like, we want to come here to our churches, and we want to come and see how to operate with the Lord and love him. But we also want, not only that, we want to see him come and invade our lives and, and make our lives what we know in our hearts they can be through his power. And Abraham sees this. Now, any time in Scripture, or really any time in life, you, you're seeing a life that is a life that is one that you say, like, publicly, I want to win like that too. It is good to get around them because their success will leave clues. And you'll see that behind that success is a value system. Um, that success is not something that necessarily happens out here. It's something that happens in here. It's something that happens in here. And if you get a value system in you, it'll change what marriage looks like. It'll change what finances look like. It'll change what success looks like. So behind the life is a value system. And what you're going to see in Abraham's life is he valued his secret life more than his public one. Uh, In Genesis 13, we see a very quality problem. I'll take quality problems, and we're going to see one here uh, in verse number one. So Abram, this is Abraham before his name was changed, um, went from Egypt to Negev with his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, He went on his journey from Negev to as far as Bethel. Now, Bethel um, is the place of meeting. It's the place of encountering God. And he goes to this place, and he had been there before. In fact, he was there at the beginning, Scripture tells us, between Bethel and Ai, verse 4. Now, watch this. To the place of the altar, which he had made there formally. So... Uh, he's setting up camp, and he's like, I know where I'll go. They're like, where are we going? He's like, we're going to the altar. They're like, well, what altar? He's like, the one we went to before. We're going back to that place, back to that place of meeting with the Lord. And you're going to see, in fact, at the end of this message, you'll see it again, that wherever Abraham went, now this is a multimillionaire, This is a man with a family that changed all of our lives. He is known as the father of faith. And literally, Scripture tells us, follow his example. Uh, Because out of him comes Isaac. Out of Isaac comes Jacob. Out of Jacob comes the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of that comes the Lord. And out of that comes us. Um, That's how big of a breaker Abraham was. And so out of it, the, the Bible is telling us, look at this man. And one of the things that you'll see about this man is that what he valued more than anything in his life was the altar, even his family. He was willing to take his family and do what with it? Put it on the altar. Abraham, 
in his secret life loved the Lord more than he loved anything else. And everyone is watching his public life, and they're like, what in the world? Like, this is amazing. Everyone is looking at his public life, and it's, it's almost like when you read his story, it was easy for him. Because it wasn't him adding it to himself. It was the Lord adding it to him. And behind, I say this all the time, but I, I have to repeat it. God is not a respecter of persons. He loves all of us the same. He loves Abraham just like he loves me, just like he loves you. He loves us all the same. He is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of other things. He's a respecter of those who walk in forgiveness. He's a respecter of those who live by faith. Um, Without forgiveness, without faith, it is impossible to please him. His love is steady and constant. But there are things that he looks for to see how far he can take me. And what he looks at is my heart. He looks at my secret life. And he's looking at my secret life to see how far he can take my public one. Now, you can be anointed, talented, and graced enough, just by God, just by his natural grace gifts, that you can build the house, meaning you can take your public life incredibly far. But if you do it without the Lord, you have done it in vain. And it will flat wear you out. When the gap grows between your public life and your private one, you feel it every time. And what is necessary to close that gap is the altar. Now, if I don't build an altar, sometimes life will force one on me. An example of this would be King David. There was a time in David's life where his his secret life far outweighed his public one. He's a shepherd in a field loving on Jesus. Uh, Life was simple, sim, sheep, harp, beautiful things. And out of it comes this beautiful life. And if you doubt that, read the book of Psalms and you'll see a man who just passionately loves the Lord. Thank God for men, strong men who passionately love the Lord Jesus. I'm so thankful. Word of Life at all of our campuses has strong men who love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength. It's a beautiful thing. And David was one of these men. Um, But he's looking at his, his public life and it has not taken the heights. In fact, his own father is looking at him in the flesh and thinking he's not kingly material that it would be all of these other boys. And to be fair to his father, there's a prophet who is very spiritual, like this is like the prophet by the name of Samuel, that he looks at the oldest boy that the the father let in, and he's like, surely this is the king, looking at his public life. Because when he looked at him in public and looked at his flesh, it was powerful. It, it, It was everything that people seek to be. Uh, that you, people would look at you and find you desirable. Your marriage desirable, your finances desirable, your house desirable, your career desirable, your income desirable. It's like, surely this is king. And God's like, nope, don't look at him. He's like, well, why? For I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the public life. God looks at the secret one. 
Remember what Jesus said? If you'll go out and you'll, you'll give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret, if you take care of your secret life, he says your reward will be a public one. And so he goes down the line of all these boys who in public look like they would be the better choice. And it's like, like a, it's like a spiritual game of duck, duck, goose. It's like, not it, not it, not it, not it. And he gets to the end and he's like, you got anybody else here? Like, are there any other sons? He's like, well, I got one. He's out in the field. And he says, we, I love this part of the story. He's like, we will not sit down until he comes. And I guess it took a while because when he came, like David finally comes in from the field, it says, and they arose, like the very next verse. Uh, So sometimes we make promises we can't deliver on. But anyway, when he comes in, the Lord's like, it's him. And this kid in public, like his public life, couldn't even put on the king's armor. The king's armor literally swallows him. He cannot move in Saul's armor. So in his public life, it's like, man, no one's looking at this guy thinking he's king, he should be there, he should have this, he should experience this. But you know what? When David is even looking at these things in his public life, he's like, but there is something you don't see. That the base of power for my life is not my flesh. That the way I kill lions and bears is not with my might. There is something you don't see. And that is behind this public life, there is a secret one that knows the Lord. And out of that, you see this kid that his own family thought nothing would come out of him. You see this kid with the power of God on his life rise up and be king. And what happened was, is his public life caught up to his secret one. Because your public life will always catch up to your secret life. Jesus said, mark it down. What is done in darkness will be made manifest by the light. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's a neutral thing. It is what I do in secret will be something that eventually makes its way over into public. And in David's life, this secret life of devotion and praise, imperfection, sure, but on the top of this imperfection, a heart that is genuinely in love with Jesus, genuinely seeking the Lord, genuinely having this time with the master, you see a life that God looked at and said, I can get behind that just like Abraham. And something came from what the world called nothing and took it and made it king. And so you see David in this place of an altered lived life of like not, not, not seeking and not able. There's some people, man, God bless them, so talented, they are able to be so good in their public life, the world can look at it. But it's almost a curse Because if you build that life with just your public persona, when a storm comes, and it will come, when a storm comes, if that public life is not built on the secret foundation, which is Christ, I don't care who you are, what you've built, or what you've done, that storm will take away everything you worked for. 
And so out of this, David has this life that is not built by his hands, a life that is built by the Spirit. And Israel is seeing its best times. It's entered into its best season. And it is this man, the King David. And what what was David? A dancing king. A king who was not ashamed to even make his secret life public. He was not ashamed to worship the Lord. Not ashamed to bring in the presence of God. He loved it. And, and, and people looked at it, and even his own wife looked at it, and she said, publicly, you're making yourself look like a fool. She's like, you made yourself look so base in front of everyone else. And what was David's point? I didn't do it for my public life. It was before the Lord. I did it for my secret one. And his wife, from that point forward, was unable to produce because she valued her public life, more than she valued her secret one. And it stopped her production. But this dancing king who is just before the Lord free, a lover of God and just someone who is rejoicing in him is seeing Israel literally enter into its best season. It is not just rocks and slings killing giants. It is the power of God that is on his life, making someone who is in the natural, not able to sustain this life, be able to sustain it and then some. until his public life drifted from his secret one. It's, it's amazing to me how oftentimes, good, in good times, we develop bad habits. That it's oftentimes the wise things we do in bad times that create tomorrow's good times, but the foolish things we do in today's good times that create tomorrow's bad times. And in the, the full blessing of this life that God had given him, David got lazy And he stopped paying attention to his secret life. And he stops paying attention to to what the, the Lord would have him live by. In fact, in his secret life, he is finding more and more he has to cover up. And in his secret life, he's here, and at a time when kings should go out to battle, life is so good, I don't have to anymore. And so everything has kind of taken a a, a diminished turn, and David and his his laziness, and and really that's all it is, but he gets bored, and in his boredom, this, this passion and zeal for the Lord, the passion and zeal for his kingdom is just diminished. And David sees this woman bathing, and he's like, I'll have her. And you can just hear the flesh in that. I'll take it. And there's a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit there in a servant. And he's like, David, no, 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 you don't want to do this. He's like, what do you mean? Of course I want to do it. I'm king. And he's like, no, 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 that's somebody's wife, man. You, You don't want to do this. Like, slow down. And he overrides the servant. And then he's got this mess where, where she comes and she's like, hey, this happened. My husband Uriah is out at war. David actually knew Uriah. And even though he knew Uriah, he did this anyway. And you see, all of a sudden, David is having to put on a public facade. It is the definition of fake. Everything's great, everything's wonderful, and in fact, he looks like an incredibly sweet guy. Like, Uriah died in battle, no one knows that in secret, in David's secret life, he's like, well, get in the thick of battle, then pull away from him so he dies. 
And so David has done this and orchestrated this in secret, and it stayed in secret. And publicly, it looks like David is okay. And not only is he okay, he took in a widow. And not only did he take in a widow, they're starting a family. And so on the outside, everybody's looking at his public life, and they're like, another story of David being a good guy. And like all of this is going on, but All the while, David later wrote about this in Psalms. He says, in that season of life, he said, you know what I felt like? He said, I felt like a pelican, which is a a bird that goes in the ocean and water. He said, I felt like a pelican in the desert. He's like, I know where I belonged and it wasn't there. He's like, my bones ached. Well, what's he living under? He's living under the weight of his public life outweighing his secret one. And the Lord, because if I don't build an altar, life will often force one. And the Lord comes to David, and, and he comes to him and, and through the form of Nathan, uh, which is my middle name, actually. Um, and he, he comes to him, and he tells him this story. David's like, come, Nathan. And Nathan tells him this story. And he said, there was a, a guy who had all the sheep he could ever count. Just tons of livestock. And next to him was a guy who had one sheep, and he loved this sheep. I mean, loved it. It was his world. And David, um, he said, um, in this story, there was a guy uh, who sees this one sheep, and he makes up his mind, I want that. And everything around him told him not to touch it, but he, he took it anyway. The one thing that this guy loved, he took, and it was just another one of his thousands. And David said, who is the man? I'll go kill him. And Nathan looked up at him and said, you are the man. He said, look at your life, David, all that the Lord blessed you with, all that the Lord gave you. And then he said this statement, and this shows the heart of God. He said, and if that wasn't enough for you, the Lord would have given you more. But you took the one thing that didn't belong to you. How did he get to that place? A slow fade. See, sometimes we drift. We get so busy managing life that we forget to do the thing that created it. We get so busy managing the kingdom that we forget to give honor to the king who gave it to us. And David just found this time in his life where his life had drifted so far from the altar and so far from the Lord. But you know why I love this story? Because David, he came back to the Lord in repentance And he came back to the Lord, and I I loved how the Bible says he changed his clothes. And he said, bring me the ephod, which is a garment of praise. And he said, you know what I'm going to do in this broken season where I'm left with the mess of my sin, and I'm left with the mess of my brokenness, and I'm left with the mess of my disobedience? I'm going to the altar again. And he comes to this place, and it was a forced altar. He didn't even build it. It was a life forced this altar. 
But even with a forced altar, he comes there and he begins to press into God and he begins to make God the basis of his life again and the things of the Lord, what his life would be built on again. And you see God pick up every one of the broken pieces of his life. And that what he lost, God began to restore. And not only did he restore it, but out of this, he gave David and Bathsheba, a child by the name of Solomon, who went on to write the book of Proverbs. And what began in a curse and what began in brokenness, God made beautiful. And maybe even it just seems like instead of operating under a blessing here lately, you have been operating under a curse where it's like everything is breaking, Pastor Joel. I don't understand, like, why is it breaking so much? Because I couldn't be trying any harder to fix it. And I couldn't be trying any harder to, like, improve it. Because we so, don't we all, we so desperately want to win publicly. And maybe you're at that place where it's like everything I'm trying to do publicly. It just is not working and God is saying everything you need for your public life, it is found in your secret one. In Genesis 13, you see this kid by the name of Lot who lived with Abraham. And this is really heartbreaking Um, it's heartbreaking and frustrating. And maybe some of you have some people in your life like this. It's like you so clearly see what the answer is. And it's so frustrating that they won't take the answer. But the whole time it's frustrating, it's actually heartbreaking too. You ever been there? Frustrated but heartbroken all at the same time. And the reason why it's so frustrating is Lot so clearly sees Abraham's life. Abraham was Lot's breaker. He was Roger Bannister. He saw the four-minute mile be run. He knew what was possible in Jesus, what was possible in the Lord. And so he's, he's watching Abraham, and he sees this life. But there comes a moment where God has blessed them so much that the land is not able to contain it. And you know what Lot does? He goes back to an old value system, and he becomes a taker. And he looks over the, the land and he sees the well-watered land. And he's like, ah, this is what I need to win publicly. And everyone will look and be like, man, he's got it together. He's got the land. He's got the cows. Publicly, he, he looks at it and he says, this is what I need in the natural to live a great life. And so you know what he does? He takes it. He takes the best land. And you know what he also does? He sets his tent as close to the world as he can get. Now, he's not in the world yet. He's just as close to it as he can get. And Abraham, in this story, you can read it in Genesis 13, is left with half of what he had before. And anybody who looked at Abraham would be like, he just lost. They would look at his public life and be like, he has lost half of everything he ever worked for. And he lost the the best field, the best land. And so they're looking at his public life and it looks like it's losing But what they didn't know is that behind Abraham's public life was a secret life. And behind Lot's public life was a secret life too. And God did something for Abraham. The Bible says at the end of Genesis 13 that he he took Abraham and he said, Now that Lot is separated from you, 
Lift up your eyes to the north, south, east, and west. And all that you see, I will give you. I will give it to you. You'll not have to add it to you. I will give it to you. And every place the sole of your foot treads, I will give it to you as a possession. And so Abraham began to walk. And watch what happens here in in Genesis 13. Last verse. Last verse in Genesis 13, verse 18. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks, which are in Hebron. Watch what he did. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. Behind this man's life was his secret life. Perfect? No. You read Abraham's story, man, he made mistakes. But behind everything people saw was a life that says, I want an altered, lived life. I want to live with the Lord Jesus. I want to honor him and his presence. And everyone in this book and everyone in this life who looked at Abraham's would have said, he lost, he lost, he lost. And God's like, (laughs) you don't have any idea. That secret life will eventually catch up to that public one. I'll close with this. A couple of uh, weeks ago, we were having staff prayer. I love staff prayer when we get together and just pray. Something happens when you pray corporately. We were just praying, and I was praying in the Spirit, and I had a vision. And I told the Lord it was funny uh, because I'm not a car person. But here's what I saw in the, the vision. It was this, this car, man, it was souped up. It was nice, had the big engine in it, whole nine yards. But it just wasn't making much progress. And it wasn't for a lack of an engine quality. And it wasn't for the lack of the driver trying. The driver had their foot all the way down on the gas. I mean, all the way down. And so there's like this intent and this desire to take this thing faster. And there's a mounting and building frustration in the driver knowing I'm working as hard as I can trying to take this thing forward. My foot is all the way down on the gas. But there's also a huge amount of frustration within the driver because he knows he's got a vehicle that can go fast, but it ain't going. And it's not for a lack of effort and it's not for a lack of tools. And I saw this guy's hand just slip down, just make a subtle move onto a shifter. And it was stuck in first gear. And when I saw it, I saw these big words just written in bold letters that just said shift. And this guy just went up one level in this vision. And as as soon as he just went up one level, it was like immediately everything clicked over and the effort led to more production. The engine was running faster and cleaner and better. There was more traction in the cars and more traction in the vehicle that was enable it to accelerate further. And I just feel like some of you in this fast season of life, it just seems like you couldn't do anything more. You couldn't try any harder, but you're still not seeing the progress God wants you to make and I believe the word for the Lord for you for 2023 is just shift just go up one little level 
and you make a decision to genuinely seek the Lord and you make a decision to genuinely place him at the center of your life and maybe it is going back to the altar you once built. Maybe it is building a brand new altar for this season or maybe it is looking up like David and being like, I didn't build this altar. I wasn't even sure if I wanted this altar but life built an altar for me and it is time for me to offer my life as a living sacrifice before God and to take my secret life and place a greater emphasis on my secret life than my public one. Place a greater emphasis on the unseen than the seen. Progress spiritually more than you want to progress naturally. Put God first more than everything else first. And at that place of the altar of doing that, I'm telling you, when you get your secret life right, everything you need for your secret, everything you need for your public life, it is found. It is found, it is found, it is found. Everything you need for your public life, it is found in your secret one. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. That your Holy Spirit just helps us see whether we have built an altar or need to build one, or maybe life has presented us one. That you are God of protection, and you are God of restoration. And Father, in both those stories that I mentioned, in David and in Abraham's, it looked like both of those men had lost a lot. And there may be some people who are listening to this or watching this or in one of our rooms here today, Father, that they're in a season where it looks like they are losing ground. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, whether it's because of our own sin, our own failure, whether it's a storm of life or just the the enemy trying to still kill and destroy, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that as we build our altars today and surrender afresh and anew, Father, we thank you every single one of us are entering into the best season of our lives. That, Father, in 2023, we will see it be a year of restoration. We will see it be a year of your blessing coming upon it in ways that we never could have imagined. We will see your goodness in this land. We will see your goodness, Father, in our lives. Father, we thank you for for just divinely restoring all that the enemy has stolen, even if it was a result of our own hand. We love you, Father. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.